This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, May 25th, 2014. The Ripple Effect, Service and Sacrifice. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Lori Brown, as I said earlier, and I'm the pastor of spiritual formation here at Connection and a sinner who's been saved by God's grace. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious God, wow, we thank you for today. We thank you for new life that's found in you. Lord, right now, I just ask that you help settle us all in. Let go of any concerns or worries that we have right now so that we can receive all that you have for us through your word. I thank you for each person here, Lord. Open our hearts, our minds, our ears. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So today, we conclude our series on the ripple effect. And as we've shared for the past three weeks, the ripple effect of our lives is similar to what happens when pebbles are thrown into a pond. The actions we take and the people we touch have ability to create these ripples that go far beyond that moment in time. Our focus today is going to be in Mark chapters 8, 9, and 10, where we'll explore how to create ripples by living a life of service and sacrifice. So we see in chapter 8 of Mark, where Jesus tells his disciples for the first time that he must suffer and die, and three days later that he will rise. Now Peter, one of his closest companions, he does not take this news very well, and he harshly criticizes Jesus for saying these things. Now, in a way, I can't blame him. I mean, can we blame him? He followed Jesus for close to three years. He recently recognized for himself that Jesus is the Messiah. And now he's told that Jesus must die. This is more than Peter can take. Jesus, in turn, reprimands Peter. And he tells them and the other disciples that they do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus then says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. If you could read the rest with me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So when Jesus first called his disciples to follow him, there were no defined requirements. He just said, follow me. That was kind of like the honeymoon stage of the relationship. Jesus now teaches that if you want to be his disciple, you must deny ourselves. We must deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. He's telling them that self-denial and sacrifice are going to be required for the rest of the journey. So let's take a minute and look at what does denying oneself look like? Well, it doesn't mean giving up chocolate during Lent. That's probably a little more like fasting, although I don't even know if I would call giving up chocolate fasting, but for some of you, I'm sure it will be, or would be. No, denying ourselves means letting go of our selfish and our self-centered worldly concerns for the benefit of others. Denying ourselves means saying no to the things that enslave us. Things like our many addictions to food, TV, Facebook, 
drugs, alcohol, video games, and things that also inflate our egos when we seek self-acclimation or maybe inflate our pride when we want to elevate ourselves above others, self-centeredness when we think more about ourselves than other people, not to mention our entitlement attitudes that scream, I deserve this or that or whatever it is. Denying oneself was not easy for the disciples, and it's not easy for us either. So recently, I read a book called Fearless. It's about the life of Navy SEAL Adam Brown, who you saw in the video bump before the message. The thing that struck me so much about Adam's story was how after high school, he got mixed up in the wrong crowd. He experimented with drugs, and he quickly found himself in a downward spiral. He became addicted beyond control, and this resulted in him having 11 felonies, jail time, huge fines, and causing harm to himself, his family, and others who were in the way of his destructive path. Now, the struggles of his addiction, for me, highlighted just how dangerous not denying ourselves can be to our souls. Anything that focuses on feeding our self-centered desires, our ego, pride, entitlements, lust, selfish ambition, addictions, those things, they kill the person God intended us to be. Sometimes it happens quickly, as in Adam's case, and other times it happens slowly. So a question for you. Can you think of any thoughts, behaviors, or attitudes you have that prevent you from becoming all God created you to be? Because Jesus says here, if we try to save our life in the pursuit and attainment of worldly things, we will actually lose our life. But if we lose our life, our lives for Jesus and the gospel by becoming the person that God created you to be, we will actually find life. So the key to finding life is denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and this is making a decision to voluntarily give up our lives for the sake and benefit of others, and then by following Jesus. So Adam Brown, he started to learn what this meant after giving his life to Jesus Christ one night while sitting in a jail cell. After he was released from jail, he entered a year-long Christian Christian treatment program for teens and adults called Teen Challenge. While he was there, he began to learn what it really means to deny self and focus on learning to become the man of God that God created him to be. Now for Adam, this was a matter of life and death. Adam continued to stray stay clean even after that year-long program, and as a measure of last resort, he joined the Navy. Only by God's grace was he accepted into the Navy SEAL program. 
You know, they're not looking for his resume with 11 felonies, jail time, and some of his background with drugs. The discipline of the Navy continued to teach him to deny himself and to focus on serving others. Adam's faith and his calling, they drove him to work harder than most. He even overcame two potential career-ending disabilities, the loss of sight in his right eye completely during a training exercise and an injury to his dominant hand, his right hand, when he lost, almost lost all of his fingers in a Jeep accident. You know, if you can imagine, you're holding on to the window, the Jeep flips, your fingers are in there, and he almost lost his fingers. Now, I wish I had time to share the many God stories on how Adam's faith in God, prayer, hard work, and a few miracles had him become part of the top-tier, elite, and now-famous SEAL Team 6. So in Mark chapter 9, Jesus continues. He teaches the disciples a second time that he will be delivered into the hands of men who will kill him and three days later will rise. The disciples didn't understand what he meant and they were afraid to ask. As they made their way to the next town, the disciples, they argued amongst themselves. Arriving at their next destination, we read... They came to Capernaum. When he, Jesus, was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet. Read the rest with me. Because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Wow, can you believe it? Instead of the disciples focusing on what's really most important here, talking to Jesus about what it means that he's going to be handed over and killed, they're instead arguing about who's the greatest. Do we ever do that? Do we lose focus on what's really important to squabble over petty, selfish matters? They're arguing about the pecking order here as they size themselves up next to Jesus in terms of honor. And again, they don't get it. And the truth is, many times we don't get it either. Jesus uses this, this as a teaching opportunity on what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. So, sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, please say it with me, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. So here, Jesus completely flips the meaning and measure of what greatness means. To be first in the kingdom of God, you must rank yourself with those the world considers least and to become servant of all. True greatness is not being great so that others can serve you. It's about lowering and humbling yourself so that you can serve others. To illustrate this, Jesus takes a little child in his arms 
Now children, and to a lesser extent women in Jesus' day, were considered more like property than people. Jesus is telling them that greatness is not about the amount of positional power, status, or rights that a person has. Greatness is about offering humble service to all. When we do that, we welcome not only Jesus, but God himself. So Adam Brown, he knew about humble service. He would be the first one to volunteer for any assignment, regardless of how menial it was. He would take these assignments that no one else wanted and looked at every opportunity to serve as an important part of his training and development as a man, a husband, a father, a seal, and a follower of Christ. Can you imagine the difference we could make if we looked at each opportunity to serve as an important part of our training and our development as the people of God that he created each of us to be? So Adam, he had a special heart for children. When he was not deployed, he served regularly in the children's ministry of his church. Even when deployed, he would find opportunities to serve the little children by giving them ATV rides, letting them play with glow sticks, giving them candy, playing games with them. Now, on one deployment to Afghanistan, his wife asked Adam what he wanted in a care package. He immediately said, without hesitation, shoes. The kids need shoes. I need lots of shoes, all different sizes. Between his wife and their church, they sent over 500 pairs of shoes that Adam distributed to the Afghan children. Adam got the nickname Tender Warrior from his brothers and sisters in arms because of the deep compassion and care he showed from all, for all people, from the lowliest to the highest ranking. So back to our story in Mark, in chapter 10. <clears throat> Jesus and the disciples are making their way into Jerusalem for a third and final time. He tells them that he must suffer, be condemned to death, killed, and three days later they will rise. Again, the disciples misunderstand what's happening. Now James and John, two of his other closest disciples, the sons of Zebedee, they ask Jesus to give them the positions of honor at Jesus' right and left in his glory. They do this most likely before the other disciples even have a chance to. Jesus is remarkably patient with their lack of understanding. <clears throat> now, I am so glad that Jesus is remarkably patient with our misunderstanding because I know we frequently misunderstand who he is and what he's called us to do. He pulls them together yet again for another teaching about true greatness. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. 
Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Say the rest with me. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus, he voluntarily gave his life for us, for you and me. In the end, he paid the sin debt in full for us so that we could have life and have it to the full. Jesus offers all who believe in him the gift of eternal life, which starts the moment we believe by faith. He also gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, who helps equip us as we pour out our lives in service to others as modeled and taught by Jesus. Now, Jesus thought this message was so important that he taught it three times. Discipleship means denying ourselves, sacrifice for others, and service to all. So if you want to be great, serve others. That's how Adam Brown lived his life. Here's a picture of him and his family before he entered the base for his last deployment on February 26, 2010. Upon returning, he was scheduled to retire with 10 years of faithful service in the Navy. Tragically, some 19 days later, on March 17, 2010, Adam was killed in action in a mission in Afghanistan. In an effort to protect his men during the mission, Adam charged the enemy from a different vantage point, drawing fire away from his pinned down men. His selfless action redirected the fire away from his team and resulted in Adam being shot multiple times by enemy fire. Adam's final act of service resulted in the team completing their intended mission and the safe extraction of every member of his team. The last words that Adam spoke to his team after they were able to help him was, I'm okay, I'm okay. And he was okay. Adam knew it was his faith and his trust in Jesus that made him okay. The ripple effects of his acts of service and sacrifice are far-reaching, from the Afghan children to his teammates to the many that he helped as they struggled with their own struggles and demons. And to the thousands like me, and hopefully you a little bit today, who have been profoundly impacted by his life and story. So while I was preparing for this message, I began asking God to show me how I could best serve. What if we all ask that question? If we all ask God that question, how can we best serve you today? And we ask it on a regular basis. How can we best serve our family 
our church, our neighborhood, our community, our country, our world. Make it personal and specific. When we're at home, ask ourselves, how can we best serve our family? When at church, how can we best serve our church? Even while driving into your developments or communities or neighborhoods, ask how we can best serve our neighbors. Just imagine for a minute what could happen if we all began asking and acting on this question on a regular basis. Just imagine the ripples that would be created by that. I was so amazed by what God showed me, and you might be too. By asking this question, we will see new opportunities to serve that we had not previously seen. The key is to step into them when they present themselves to us. I was amazed even how my attitude changed when my point of view and my context changed to one of service. For example, doing something that really occurred for me as a real chore actually became a more satisfying service experience. When our hearts and minds are focused on serving, we are more aware of God and the activity. What if all of us had a service mindset? Amen, absolutely. Wouldn't that be absolutely incredible? So the challenge today is to serve. Just imagine the ripples we can create when we humbly step into opportunities to serve our family, our neighbors, our workplace, our church, our community, and the world. And again, we don't have to make them up. They will show up. Now, I have a bonus challenge. Anybody who really wants to go deeper, this is the bonus challenge. The bonus challenge is to serve by doing something that we judge to be menial and beneath our dignity. Be honest with yourself about what that is or might be. I think some of us might need to clean some toilets or scrub some floors or pick up trash. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is for you. Humble service brings us closer to God. So finally, we would like to help you by providing some awesome opportunities to serve in the church. In your program, there's an iServe brochure that highlights various serving opportunities from the parking lot to the praise team and everywhere in between. Now, some of these serving areas require more time than others. For instance, in our children's ministry, we ask that folks serve at one service or possibly two and worship at another. We have a lot of people every week who serve one, two, or all three services. So we invite everyone, everyone, to visit the tents outside to sign up to be part of a serving team today. Who knows? This may be the very blessing and gift God has been waiting to give you, and all you have to do is say yes. So Jesus calls us to serve and not be served. The question is, is are you ready to follow? Are we ready to follow? This is the Good News Connection Church. Let's live it, let's believe it, 
and let's pray. Gracious God, wow. We thank you that you have poured out your life in service and sacrifice so that we could find life in you. Lord, be with each one of us. I ask that the concerns that we carry during the week, during the day, that you would just um, hear those concerns, and I just ask that you be with us and help us. Lord, I thank you for each person here. I thank you for the person that they are becoming, the person that God, that you created them to be. Lead us as we all follow in your footsteps, Lord, and pick up and serve. We thank you for this message. Have us be changed and transformed, not just only by the message, but by our action. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at connectioncc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash connectioncc. You can also contact our church office at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.